This podcast is not meant to be informative or educational and has the potential to be completely irrelevant. This is Property Jam. And welcome to Property Jam, the podcast where we talk about everything on the human side of property. And today you are in for a special treat. We have a guest on. It is not just the three of us harping on. Uh, we actually are graced by the wonderful James D'Souza. Hello, James. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me. So, yeah, just tell us a little bit about yourself and why you might have graced us today. <laughs> uh, I am property related, so thank you. Know, you? Thankfully, oh yes. thank God for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not just a complete guy you found <laughs> off the street. The random. Um, so my name's James. Um, I've been investing in property for the past ten years. I've known Nile. I have no idea actually how long I've known you for, Nile. Uh, six. Six. A long seven time. Years, yeah. Six seven years. Yeah. Um, I've known Nile for um, sort of buy a property. I got into property when I was uh, 21. So kind of fresh out of university, started very young. Um, I had spent three years at university studying law and, uh, you know, three years of studying law taught me that I didn't like law. I was going to have to do something different. Um, it was quite dull and boring. And I didn't really, so had no idea of what I was going to be doing for a career. It was kind of good with numbers, thought maybe accountancy, but didn't like that either. So I um, was kind of looking at options and being a very diligent law student. I spent a lot of time watching Homes Under the Hammer. Um, so sort of 10 o'clock. And, 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 and Neighbours. No, I didn't never watch Neighbours. Oh. Never watch Neighbours. R.I.P. I know. I'm, I'm not, no, I'm not, yeah, feeling, I'm not feeling like the fact it's disappearing. I, yeah. Never watch I didn't it. know that. Oh, my God. That's bad news to me. June. Oh. Yeah, June is going. Oh, that's June. really sad. Okay, sorry. Back to you. <laughs> it's fine we talk about neighbor, you know property related neighbors you know um and so yeah spent lots of time watching homes under the hammer and thought oh, wouldn't it be great if you, you you know your job was just to buy houses renovate them and sell them on for profit i thought that would be cool and then kind of i'd watch it with some of my housemates and we go like oh but we've got no money we don't know how to do this back to back to the law books back to the law textbooks and you know dull and dreary subjects again and when, so when I left university at age of 21, um, I inherited some money. My aunt in Canada passed away and, and left us, uh, me and my mum, some money. And we thought, what, what to do with this? It was kind of deepest, darkest recession times. There was no chance of me getting a mortgage for my own home um, in London. That was, and it wasn't even enough to buy anything in London. So it was kind of like, what to do? I went to university in Southampton and our light bulb moment was, let's buy a house in Southampton because because knew nothing about property had never bought a house before mum had only ever bought the house that she lived in so we were kind of like we fuddled around like oh yeah let's let's buy a house in Southampton and decided that it would you know a friend saw an advert in a paper actually for like a, a, a Martin Roberts property course and we were like oh it's the man from the telly <laughs> so we were like let's go along and, and let's learn everything from him in like a two-hour period and he wasn't uh, there he wasn't there and we didn't <laughs> learn everything in two hours but we were very green uh, and naive as to, as to what we were expecting, but um, decided that uh, buying one house down in Southampton wasn't going to be the best idea. Kind of learned about, you know, financial, gained some basic financial education, learned about kind of leverage and the different strategies that were there. We just went, student, we were just thinking students in Southampton because that was kind of all we'd ever known, always lived in London all our lives. Just three years in Southampton was kind of 
where I'd been. And that was our just our, our go-to. So could have made some horrific mistakes, I think, had we gone and bought down there. Mm. Um, but started then buying properties up in the north of England instead. So cheaper, low value kind of grunters, as we call them. The dirty, <laughs> the dirty, <laughs> uh, dirty, horrible, <laughs> smelly, two up, two downs, basically, that we can get into family buy to lets and, and started very small with, with those and kind of worked our way up to buy to let. I kind of, after uni, moved back home, lived in with mum. So it didn't take me long to kind of be a full-time property investor. So sort of didn't have a job and built up my liabilities, if you want, as I built up my income from property. Wow, gosh. So yeah, did did some buy to lets and and have kind of gone gone all over the shop now, done sort of HMOs, commercial developments and sort of a mixed bag. And now, yeah, a very happy full-time property investor. Wow. So you evolved <laughs> from buy select grunters to more sophisticated forms of grunters. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm. And, yeah. and I still, we still, still do buy to lets. I think, you know, they're, they're yeah. kind of the bread and butter of the portfolio and they're, they're easier to do. There's less headache. And oh, the, more, the more you invest in property, the kind of the more you go, I don't want headache. I just want simple <laughs> things that are easy to do. Yeah, we've had that conversation so many times, haven't we, boys? Where we're just like, it's all very nice doing like the, the bigger things, but oh my God, how wonderful. A buy to let. Yeah. Like the renovation of them. Yeah. Easy. You can just yeah. give them, you know, a builder that you've worked with before. Here you go. Here are the keys. Crack on. You know what I want. The tenants stay for a long time. Yes. They look after the houses. Everything, you know, I guess the only downside is they don't pay you as much as the sexier deals, which is yeah. what yeah. I guess is, is is the attraction for those biggest for the bigger stuff. Did any of your uni mates jump on the property bandwagon as well? Or are they all now fully fledged lawyers running their own? Only only and... one of my mates actually took like took the plunge and went fully through with law and is like, he's actually a property solicitor and I... stop it. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Martin bit him as well obviously um but no um one of my housemates kind of took an interest in it and was very keen and then just sort of up sticks and is is currently living in Japan so I think when he comes back he's yeah um, (laughs) so when he comes back he's sort of he comes back a bit and we we chat and he's like I still want to do property I still want to do property so I think when he comes back he will but you know it's I find it very strange that none of my mates have kind of gone into it they've kind of or, or even many have even asked questions about it because they kind of see me working from home and being a lot more flex flexible than they can be and you know rarely get asked the question like what do you do how do you do it can you show me mm, people are scared mm. or jealous or yeah resentful often yeah. <clears throat> um a few are now asked now they've kind of work their way up the corporate ladder and are getting chunky bonuses they're kind of ah. either doing it, but they, it's it's all of the idea oh well i've got a load of money now and no they don't do what, do I do what with you tell it? them it's to like, do well either. funny you just <laughs> well that. yeah there is that yeah. yeah yeah it's interesting isn't it yeah can i ask you know your mate that's gone into property law do you use him for conveyancing or if you or do you use other no people? he does <gasps> like like he he lives far away live, like lives down in exeter and he does like corporate like um sort of conveyances and stuff like that oh, and it's, okay. it's kind of like housing trusty stuff i don't oh, okay. understand exactly what he does but he's not a bog standard conveyancer. riveting yeah. Oh, yeah yeah oh <laughs> you lost out on that career big time i know I, I really wish i really wish that's what i ended up becoming don't worry you can go back, you can go back to it you know as a passion project yeah <laughs> it was just like um like brian may from uh from queen Queen. Was, was, 
what did he it was it was some sort of scientist wasn't he yeah he went back and studied like um like chemistry or something like yeah. no is it a space uh oh astrophysicist is he like that I think he might be yeah that's so clever i mean yeah he's brains and hair isn't he that man all <laughs> brains and hair <laughs> brains and hair there we go that'll be on his tombstone <laughs> Brian yeah, May, all nothing to do with queen hair. just brains and hair brains and hair <laughs> <laughs> So, so, um, so James, there's a question we always ask our guests when they come on the podcast, uh, which is what does the human side of property mean to James and Susan? I think pro- property is a very people orientated business. And I very quickly, so it was me and mum sort of together for the for a short period of time. And we were kind of like doing things all together. And it was just us. And we were kind of like, this is quite lonely. This is quite boring. You know, we want to kind of get around other people because as much as I love my mum and Niall knows my mum as well, Aww. spending spending 24-7 with somebody, you know, property, life, everything, you kind of like, actually, I could do with some outer influences and, and, and speaking to other people. And um, so we kind of joined, and that's how I sort of knew Niall. We, we were part of the same property network. And the human side of property to me is there's, there's so much that can go wrong or or so many kind of issues that can crop up and if you're just trying to work it out on your own it can be quite a soul destroying and and you know anxiety anxiety building place because you kind of you Mm. don't know what to do whereas a problem solved is a problem halved and I really do believe that with property investing so having a group of people around you that when things aren't going to plan you can just go oh my god this happened this happened this happened get it off your back and they're like yeah yeah, this happened to me as well and you're oh it's not just me that sometimes has these problems it's like it happens to all (laughs) of us um so so that for me it's you know i've built some wonderful friendships and and you know lifelong friends through property investing and um in terms of the actual business side of things i'm not we we invest sort of quite far away from where we live so i'm not particularly hands-on with the portfolio and the tenants and I don't, you know, I could, I could have a lineup of people here and I wouldn't know which ones were my tenants and which one wasn't. So I don't, I'm not kind of hands on. Let, let's not play that game. Do any of you remember? I, shall, I would love to play that game. Here's one we can show you. They'll be coming in. So that for me is like one of the bits that we're not hands on with that. We kind of outsource that to letting agents and things like that. But Ultimately, it's because they're going to do a better job for the tenants. We want to create nice homes for our tenants and we want them to be looked after. And I don't think I'd be doing them a, a you know, I'd be doing them a disservice if I was trying to do that from four and a half hours drive away. I just got the idea of you just being like the worst agent ever. <laughs> it's like my boiler's gone out. Well, you know what I mean? I'm busy. I'm busy. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the golf course. Right I'll fix it for you in two weeks. You can just deal with the cold, can't you? Cold water. You'll be fine. It's only yeah. February. Just put a jumper on. You'll be right. <laughs> and if that doesn't work, put another jumper on. Two jumpers. Yeah, what can go wrong? Players. Players. You've seen that episode of Friends, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whole wardrobe. You'll be sweet. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, we are very, you know, we, um, we want to create nice homes for people. And ultimately that's kind of what we see the business as it, it's about creating homes for people that can't afford to buy, buy them themselves. So kind of the insides are really nice. We've just um, sort of, we had a tenant that had been in a buy to let leave for about, I think they've been in there for six years. So they kind of left, we told them to put their own stamp on it. We had loads of wallpapers and stuff like that um, all over the, all over the house. So we kind of, when they moved out, gave it a lick of paint, completely renovated it, new carpets and all that kind of stuff. 
and we we've been just sort of we were flooded with applicants and it kind mm. of ended up renting for over what we were expecting we mm. were previously renting out like 450 a month for this three bed house the agent then said it, we could probably get 550 and it's ended up going for kind of in the region of 575 so mm. you kind of it's sort of gone up i guess over over time we don't we don't put up rents when we've got tenants in there it's kind of very much you know that's what you're paying that's what you're paying stay stay there for as long as you want make it your home because it, it works for us at that point so there's no point in trying to squeeze somebody else and hopefully they're able to then save 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 and and maybe buy buy their own home themselves one day or, or can afford to have holidays or whatever it might be for them but we can make a living out of what they're paying us there's no point in trying to squeeze every single penny out you know leave something on the table for others that's nice I like that mm. it's, it's quite nice to hear a relaxed attitude as well to um to being a, a landlord where you are quite comfortable with just giving your tenants the freedom to put their own stamp on on the place as in decorate because you know there are some out there get super funny about this you know they just don't like it they're like no you know just we've renovated it we spent thousands doing it so therefore it is what it is and you have to live on on this on this blank canvas but it's like actually if you can include them it's nice if they asked us in the first month could they paint it matte black i'd probably have some queries and some questions (laughs) (laughs) after they've proved themselves a good tenant and they actually kind of want to stay there and they're paying their rent on you know on time each and every month as soon as they kind of want to put their own stamp on it you kind of know they're going to stay for a bit longer anyway so that for me is a good sign of somebody that's going to pay the rent on time look after the property treat it as the home they might not have decorated it to your own taste but no. it's it, it's still going to be looked after and they're going to want to stay there because it it's what they like mm-hmm. there's actually a, i think we have a school of thoughts um especially around and um, we, we, we have this conversation with some of our clients we look, we look at hmos conversions and are doing really nice uh, next level hmos and there's a question around the actual rooms themselves um on whether you need to actually furnish them and decorate them I think as people stay in um, kind of that type of combination longer, they, you find that some of them start to have a lot of stuff with them. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's a bit of a market in HMOs where... Empty HMO rooms. Uh, empty HMO rooms, like a blank canvas. Mm. And uh, you market it as a blank canvas, like same with the buy to lets. If you say, this is this is our blank canvas, this is what your blank canvas, our property, your blank canvas, come in and make it your own. Um, uh, and... I think it's quite a, a nice uh, marketing ploy. I don't think you would get less rent for it. You might even you might even get more rent for it because people are like, actually, yeah, I want to be able to make my own stamp on it, and I don't have to pay for storage for my for my things. Oh God, mm. totally. yes. So there, I guess it all, it all comes down to tenant demographics and who you're actually putting in. And yeah. if it's you know students, we've got some student properties. They're not going to have bed. They're not going to have stuff. Yeah. They don't have brains half the time. I don't even know. I preach, honestly, I was in the student market myself. I hear you. Like it's, yeah. (laughs) In fact, anecdote to some extent. Um, When we were, so just signed for my house in second year of university. So we'd signed the paperwork, we'd done it. And about a month before we move in, we had a call from the letting agent. They were like, we're really sorry to tell you this, but your tenants, your, sorry, your landlords died. Oh God. And we were like, oops. That's really sad, but can we still rent the house, please? Because <laughs> otherwise, we'd have like nowhere to live. Like, <laughs> it's really sad, but it was really sad. But... I mean, we didn't know the landlord, and we didn't come across them. And he was the the letting agent said, "Oh yeah, like his wife 
it is kind of 100% behind keeping all the tenants in and not selling any houses or anything like that. So yeah, you can stay. We're like, that's lucky. Do you know, it's really interesting because we've talked about tenants passing away in property because it does happen. In fact, Mm. I saw a post on Facebook recently from, I can't remember which group it was, um, saying that uh, their tenant had passed away and it was was suicide which is just wow you know what a difficult thing to contend with for everybody involved but I don't think we've ever talked about a land on the other side of things on our side of things yeah I I certainly wouldn't want all my tenants to become homeless if 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 I drop down dead tomorrow because they've got to live there so I guess should probably stipulate something in your will to say they can stay yeah yeah depends who's um yeah, I don't think you can make that legally binding there, can you? They, they would have as much security on the, the property, living in the property as they would through the contract they have through the tenancy agreement. Yeah, because they're not going to, you can't just kick them out anyway, even if they were well, the landlord's dead or sure. either. It's up to them when they decide to leave or the, or the high courts, as it, in, that, in the case it might be. Yeah, and, who, and how the properties have been left and who the decision maker on that property is, I guess. But um, mm. I mean, worst case, especially students, you know, if you if you did have to, ultimately get them out you know they, they plug themselves into other little spaces they're quite <laughs> quite bit they're quite just, students and students are intending to leave anyway exactly that yeah. like they, they're going at the end of the year um so you just have to wait to the end of the year yeah but just thinking what what was the point in the agent telling you that if you, the landlord's <laughs> wife was going to continue as it, as, as it was that's a really good point but it, it was like just a call out of the blue. I was I was sort of working a summer job and it was just like your landlord's dead. And I was like, it's like oh. I'm so sorry to tell you, your, your landlord that you don't know we, is never dead. Met and you will never meet now has passed away. And the funeral was <laughs> next Thursday. <laughs> we expect you to be Please, there. Do you want to go? Bring flowers. Yeah. What? <laughs> bizarre. What a strange situation. But it then, in fact, it, it then did well, mean whenever we were asked because the, the the landlord's wife wasn't used to running the portfolio and dealing with the tenant. So whenever we'd ask for anything, we'd ask the letting agent and they'd say, we'll speak to the landlady and get back to you. And then nothing happened and then nothing oh. happened so i think she kind of was just didn't know what to do and and was sort of just i don't know yeah indecision of, of what to do because they never made those kind of decisions before oh yeah, yeah. probably a bit of overwhelm in that scenario yeah and also yeah wow. grieving whilst trying to suddenly get your head around running a portfolio is not going to be the most fun thing in the whole world is yeah. it so I mean, don't don't feel too sorry for them one of the rooms didn't actually have a window in this house so what <laughs> As in, like, what? There was a window missing, or it had no hole for a window. It had no. It, it, it just had a hatch into the front room, so it was. Oh my god, that's totally illegal! I love I know, it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I knew this re- like retrospectively, and then they tried to keep some of our deposit, and I'd sort of start to learn about HMO rules and regulations at this point in time, and I was like, that room was illegal, so I kind of said, you know, I suggest you give it. It wasn't threatening, but it was like, I don't want to have to go to the council to report the room, and they're like, you can have all your deposit back um because the let this was with the letting agent the letting agent should have known better yeah we mm. renting that out yeah it was like a wood paneled internal wall next to the kitchen oh um, wow oh, yeah that wouldn't Love that it. wouldn't fly no 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 <laughs> <laughs> how big was the house how many rooms it was it was basically a, a three bedroom semi-detached house that then had five liv- living five bedrooms in it and then you had a kind of kitchen diner at the back so it must have been uh, over two stories and well before mandatory licensing. Surely. It, it was two stories, but it was, um, yeah, so it was, yeah, it was pre-mandatory, it was pre-mandatory pre- licensing. Yeah, it didn't yeah. need a license at the time. Oh, um, and boy, did they take advantage of that. <laughs> wow. And then after after that, the next year, we, we kind of like, we it's our little 
how we we stayed in there for two years like it was our it was our fun house and uh we looked we saw it on right move for rent and it was it it had been converted to a four bed they'd taken oh, that out and made that. a bigger living room so they obviously kind of got wind of yeah maybe we shouldn't be uh, renting out basically a cupboard <laughs> maybe an issue from the first of october 2018 around this mm. yeah <laughs> wow oh i love that little segue that was fun thank you <laughs> that was good <laughs> completely so irrelevant you, as Nar said in the intro yeah totally well exactly that tends to be how we run these things <laughs> <laughs> so have you come prepared with a question for us Mr James I have I have indeed um what did you want to be when you grew up so what was your I don't think anyone ever grew up with the intention of becoming a property investor uh, so what did you want to be when you grew up Oh, I, yeah, I think I wanted to be, um, yeah, I wanted to be an actress. I thought I was, yeah, destined for Hollywood or the West End in my head. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I'm still working on it, mate. The dream's not died, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's why I got into property, so I just do it full time, you know? Like, well, yeah, no. It's just a segue to a radio show, which is a segue to Hollywood, isn't it? There you go. So mm-hmm. it's all, uh, you know, just roots paved with gold that's all I can say you never know who's listening to this podcast at the end of the day right and let's face it I mean listen to this it's just talent it's just talent (laughs) so (laughs) a a quarter talent three quarters you know exactly must have short sore shoulders carrying everyone absolutely and it is it's it's difficult James you know when you know the entertainment value just sits on your shoulders alone so I'm glad you understand and recognize that thank you yeah all right (laughs) Excuse me while I just uh, eject this person from the podcast. <laughs> uh, put in waiting room. You can you can go in there and think about what you just said. <laughs> we'll, yes, Dad. Sorry, we'll, Dad. We'll let, you, we'll let you back in in, in five minutes. <laughs> oh, I think right, I should go on, do that. Um, so when I what I want to be when I grew up, the thing is going back to when you were that age, when life was very very different. Like I remember when I was really young, like, you had one like a granddad. Uh, you know what I mean? No, but just answer the fucking question. In like... my day, <laughs> when I were a lad, <laughs> when I were a lad, we had yeah, we had this book which was all about like different occupations and what people were doing, and and I always really wanted to be a fireman. Yeah. What? Yeah, I always quite liked the um, the idea of being a I like the fireman, but I'm talking when I'm really young. Um, as I kind of went to into my teenage years uh, I always wanted to be as you guys know a professional musician uh, which I then um, sounded like magician with my with my bunged up musician yes which was what I did go I was a professional pianist for for uh, up till kind of the age of 30. So. That was pianist not penis just, just, <laughs> yeah. just that's what it sounded like. Yeah. Again. <laughs> yeah. He's still pianist. a professional penis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, there's a lot of comments we could make on that. <laughs> Carry on. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the professional dick. Exactly. Uh, so, um, so, so, yeah, I, I, a bigger professional pianist was also something I wanted to do. Um, I wasn't. I'm just trying to think back in that mindset how that, uh, yeah, what in that that vision was. So I can't mm. remember because you, you you change throughout time. Yeah. yeah. Um. So at the time, I probably. I don't know, it was like, I'm going to go to university. Actually, I was going to be a, a technician. I was going to be a, a, a sound engineer because that's what I, went, I really wanted to go and study at uni was sound engineering. Um, I didn't get into my first choice. There was a really sort of like prestigious um, uh, course down in Surrey, which I wanted to go and do. 
and um, uh, they were full for the year and I, and I was kind of put on a waiting list or they said you could reapply you could go and gap year and reapply next year if you wanted to so I didn't get really get into my first choice um so went to my second choice which was much better because I ended up doing a lot more music instead of technology um so I ended up playing a lot more whereas if I had gone to this this first course I would have basically been a um like an electronics geek and I would have spent a lot of time in a recording studio, but could have very easily ended up working in, in some really cool recording studios, um, uh, and that was what I really wanted to do. Um, but yes, I'm definitely not a detailed enough person to actually care about mixing tunes to that in yeah, to that level because it's actually a are really you sure i feel level. like you are i feel like you are i feel like your brain is just like with the level of detail you've gone into with this answer. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. kind of, I, I, I'm, I'm distracted yeah. halfway through. <laughs> what was I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so, so there, there you go. So from fireman to musician to um, a wannabe entrepreneur to property investor, um, that's kind of been the evolution. journey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a very very bumpy journey. Niall. I enjoyed the fireman bit. That was fun. Uh, for me, I never really knew what I wanted to do which is why I jumped around from job to job and career to career for such a long time. But when I was very young, I grew up on a farm and in the middle of the countryside and all the boys growing up wanted to become farmers. They're like, oh, I'll be a farmer too. And then I grew up a little bit. I thought, nah, that's too smelly, too hard, too much hard work. I don't want to do that. Then um, I got a, my first summer job was working in a garden center and plant nursery. I was like, oh, this is fun. I'll do that from a career. So I went to university and did that. And then I finished university and I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to do that either. That's still too much hard work and too boring. <laughs> so then I ended up working in, in pubs and clubs and I really enjoyed that. So I thought, oh, I'll become a pub manager or, you know, run my own pub. But then it was just like, then you end up working when you should be going out enjoying yourself. So it ruined the social life. So I thought, no, nah, that's not going to work either. So then I worked in finance for a bit and that was boring as hell working um, in the corporate world. Um, so then I went back to pubs and clubs and then I found property in the middle of it. So I don't think I ever really knew what it was I wanted to do. I just bumbled along until yeah. I found something that stuck. And I knew I didn't want to sticks. work for anybody else. I think mm. that was the main thing. I didn't want anybody else being my boss. At what age did you, what age did you kind of realize that? Quite early on. Yeah. As soon as I, as soon as Six I finished or uni. 16 or 26. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, probably my first my first proper job yeah. uh, when I was doing like my equivalent of GCSEs in the summertime on weekends I had the job uh, working in a family run garden center and uh, plant nursery and I really didn't like being told what to do from that point um, there were four or five family members and everybody thought they were boss so everybody was telling you what to do constantly and contradicting each other uh, and that just became a royal pain in the ass uh, and that to me was just the the start of it for me. I was like, I have to I have to paddle my own canoe. Mm-hmm. It took me a long time to get to that point um, to find the paddles from a canoe, but <laughs> I found them eventually. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, being a, mu- a freelance musician um, for pretty much from the age of sixteen, because we were doing gigs and getting paid cash in hand and you know, doing stuff. It was always going to be. You know that that freedom and flexibility. Uh, even at uni, I was a sound engineer. It was only after 
has anybody went traveling I actually got um, some like temp office jobs to kind of pay for my way in Australia um, that I kind of experienced what living what working in a, an office was like and it was yeah I think I, I, I survived because I knew I was only there temporarily and you know yeah there are people that were probably hating it and I was just like absolutely I was quite enjoying it really just doing some you know boring account stuff and then going and get pissed in the evening so uh, <laughs> the dream <laughs> the dream yeah so so that was that was um that was good so yeah i think knowing that you've not you're not tied to something mm. is is the thing yeah definitely that's a big thing for me yeah not being tied to something i think it's something all of us share actually we've talked about it before and i think if i look i didn't realize i think you probably had a moment of clarity far sooner than i did i just knew that every time someone gave me a schedule i couldn't stick to it you know what I mean? Or I'd get pissed off or I'd, I'd be fighting whatever system or framework yeah. that I was in in the job that I was in. So, you know, like I wasn't, I would be on performance review. I wasn't turning up on time. I would get stressed, you know, and it just, I just never felt like I found my place, but was kind of loyal to where I was working nonetheless, but just hated the fact that I had to ask permission to go on holiday. I couldn't get the, I couldn't expand my role the way I saw it and that was playing naturally to my skill set. And I just felt like I was constantly being squashed down. And it wasn't until I sort of found my flow because of the opportunities that property unlocked for me that I was like, oh my God, I should never work for anybody. That's just not who I am. So it was a real, I mean, I must have been what, 32 or 31 when I realized that. It's, it's a lot of your life to live kind of fighting against you know the system as it were mm. um yeah and I wouldn't trade it for anything now because it is that freedom that I value more than anything yeah. my kind of light bulb moment was I was doing a vacation scheme with a law firm and I was they were asking I was asking questions about you know when you go out on to sort of in-house to other firms how does that work and they said oh we'll basically charge you out to the firm will charge you out to clients and you know they'll charge you out at like you know 200 pound an hour and I was like, oh, wow, you get paid 200 pound an hour. And he was like, no, the company gets paid that. You just get the salary. And I was like, but if that's what I'm worth, that's what I want to be paid. And that for me was kind <laughs> yeah. of like, my, what? I don't want to make, I don't want to do that for someone else. I want, I want to be doing that for me. And that was kind of that whole like idea of, well, you know, you should be rewarded for what you do as opposed to having someone else kind of cream off on top of you. Mm, totally cream off on top of you i'm just gonna well, <laughs> I'm just... probably the very wrong phrase to use there but... okay right yeah, that's we're fine, that's going in. We're that's fine. episode title <laughs> <laughs> that, that was absolutely golden i enjoyed that yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> oh where do we go from there i don't even know episode roulette yeah oh right okay cool yeah. so... <laughs> Joe, no. <clears throat> you're up. You're up. <laughs> Let's clean this podcast up, please. Right. So, um, <laughs> we're going to play a game of episode roulette. So, anyone who's new to the podcast or not listened to us before, the way this works is we will ask our guests to. Uh, well, I will start scrolling through previous episodes, and our guest will at some point say stop. And whichever episode I land on, um, we'll ask that guest what their human perspective on that topic is 
is. Okay, so James, are you ready? I am ready. Okay, good, because I'm not. One second. Here <laughs> we go. the longest anyone not said ready? stop four and just left you scrolling for like five minutes? <laughs> <laughs> we've had that. We've had, the, we've had both where they've literally gone stop and it was so quick that we've missed it or they've just like not said it. We've just yeah. kept on going for days. So, right, I am scrolling from now. Stop. <laughs> you know what it is, don't you, boys? Yes, it's my favourite. Licensing. Licensing. No, it's not licensing. I mean, if it was licensing, I'd be crying. It's episode two, tenant stories. Have you got any juicy tenant stories for us, James? Yes. <laughs> tenant stories. Um, not massive. Oh. <laughs> um, I'm, let me let me rack my brains. No, we've had I've had tenants. Oh, we had one where the police were called. It was, it was an HMO. <laughs> This yeah, this is good. Is good. Yeah. This is good. Yeah. Um, we had like a tenant that got kind of Larry for no real reason. Um, I think he'd just been out on the on the booze. And was it a student? No, it was kind of like a, a, a like a blue collar worker HMO up in the <laughs> northeast. And I think they'd just been out on the booze and sort of started banging on people's doors when they came in and just getting like Larry and aggressive. So police were called. Um, we then had to evict that tenant. And then other other tenants were like, we want to leave as well. We just don't like like we've got bad memories associated with that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so we that was kind of like it was bad for us, but we had like three sixty percent basically of our of our tenants leave in one day <laughs> um, wow. in an HMO because one guy got layering, went on the piss, and one of the other tenants had to call the police. Okay, so he must have been pretty bad for them to. Yeah, actually I don't leave. know. Like it was a I, I had um, calls at like four in the morning, which wow. the letting agent knows to like. They don't need to get called. My phone's on silent. I was sleeping easily, saw all this commotion, saw emails and stuff in the morning. I was like, what the hell happened to get kind of calls and stuff like that? And yeah, it was just a, a chain of sort of tenants going, well, two, two, of the, two of the other tenants saying, we don't feel safe in this house anymore. We need to leave. And we were already saying, don't worry, we're, we're getting rid of the nutcase. And they were like, no, no, we still just don't the feel nutcase. safe. Leave. He might have, he might have like, you know cut the keys already and we were like we can change the locks if you want to stay they were like no 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 it's fine we just want to go I was like, okay. oh my god wow i love it oh yeah. gosh okay great that was that was a good story that was good uh right i am scrolling again scrolling so in. when you're ready stop okay <laughs> okay Seeing the deals so do you what's your general mo for sort of sourcing property it used to be very much on market and sort of working with agents and, and getting stuff through them that's had to change uh, somewhat because uh, there's very little on the market at the moment um so a lot of what we sort of lead um generation is coming from existing tenants coming from existing tradespeople. So kind of going out to those guys and saying, look, we want to buy more property. There's not a lot on the market. If you know anyone that's selling, there's a drink in it for you. Um, and sort of paying them a thousand pound finder's fee if, if we end up buying a property that they put us in touch with. And all of a sudden, oh, my nan's, my nan's selling this. Oh, so-and-so down the road's died. Sort of like neighbours and, and, and sorts of people. So effectively kind of creating your own sourcing agents from local people because we're not there all the time. Um, I ran a network. We ran a networking event in London and, we kind of asked a sort of to the to our, our, our kind of students and stuff and said like what um what quirky ways have you got of of lead generation and one of the students said 
I basically follow, I, I kind of like find the milkman and I say to him, you know, are there properties where the milk is left out, out the front? <laughs> and it's not picked up for like some days. And he said, yeah, that happens. That's normally when somebody's passed away. We're on holiday. Elderly, 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 it could be on a holiday. But if you, if you were going on holiday, you stop the milkman. And he was like, typically elderly people get milk. And he was like, elderly people die. Oh, my God. And so he basically said to the milkman, can you let me know the addresses? And then I'll start. I was like, whoa, that's dark. But if it works. <laughs> okay, I have, works. I have questions. I have questions about this. Okay. So first of all, who the fuck is a milkman nowadays? Exactly, like, exactly. Right? But he was like, only old people are going to have Only milk old people have milk. But is that still a job? Legit? Is, it, is that so. still... I still see, still see them. Do you? I can... Yeah. Do you? Got... I don't remember. Not, like... not very, not often, but I, I get you know, stuck behind the milk float and like get annoyed. I haven't seen a milk float in ages. I think yeah. if, if we were going to get milk delivered, there'll be a massive detour from wherever they're delivering right now. <laughs> Yeah, because of on, like online shopping and stuff. Like I don't remember. Yeah, you're right. I'm sure, sure it's still delivery. It still probably exists in more rural places and smaller villages. Where there's still like rack and bone men and that kind of vibe. Yeah, like well, yeah. Right. That, that was the, the the precursor to delivery. Mm. So yeah, you know, they've, they've been doing it for years. You get your milk, <laughs> your eggs, your paper, all bread. of that stuff that you need on a daily basis. Sounds ideal. Now delivery is you know you you can get it delivered from the co-op around the corner yeah you know, well, you look at you healthy with co-op there's me with mcdonald's and like burger king my deliveries <laughs> <laughs> well, i thought you're trying to liken it to the milkman so you could okay. yeah you can uh, get your milk delivered yeah. um by by delivery now do you um, think do you think milkmen of current um times is still impregnating women because wasn't that like the whole Ernie. thing like the baby was the, the baby was the milkman's like, the fastest milkman in the west that's, there you go right <laughs> so like it's like oh that kid doesn't look like anyone in the family must be the milkman must be delivery man's must be delivery man's the modern day modern day equiv of the milkman got it right on the topic cool. of, of milkman i ran into a milk float when i was in uni <laughs> what i'm wait yeah, so I, there was a, I lived in a village outside of Chelmsford in Essex called Riddle. And um, I used to work in the morning in, um, at, uh, it was like a, a warehouse for parcel deliveries. So I used to get there for like five or six o'clock in the morning and I'd cycle there. And on my way to the, the, the factory one morning, there was never anyone else around. I came flying around the corner on my bicycle and went straight into a milk float. Oh, bad. <laughs> Oh, that's bad news. Did, did that hurt? Uh, not, not too bad, actually. Not milk floats bad. are quite flimsy. She probably did the milk floats and damage. <laughs> yeah, and did you not milk off of it? Because yeah, it was did it, it didn't knock any milk off of it. Just, no, just knocked myself off a bike. Um, I was like, oh. what the hell was that? Got myself up. And the milkman wasn't even on the float, so I don't know where he was. Uh, probably impregnated. So, so you someone. drove into a station. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. yeah I just dusted myself off and kept going. <laughs> That's really sad story, but it's got a happy ending. Oh God, hang on, let's just go. Okay, right. <laughs> no, not that happy. No, no. Yeah, okay. Should we do one more, Matt? Have we got time? Yeah, let's do one more. So quick fire. Okay, right. I'm scrolling, James. Go, go, go. Okay, builders. Um, yeah. What's your view on well, builders, builders. human perspective? Mm. Like I, I like it. I'm the most unhandy person in the world. Like I couldn't put up a shelf. I just wouldn't, wouldn't, no, couldn't do it. 
it would be like on an angle. It just, no, everything, all the books would fall off. It would be a nightmare. Um, so <laughs> builders, absolute necessity in the business. I was never kind of thinking, oh, I'm going to be hands-on and do all the work myself like some people do. So I, finding a good builder can often be a challenge uh, finding, but it, it's kind of about rapport and a lot of, a lot of the builders that we've used kind of were recommended to us. And I guess when you've, you kind of find a good builder in an area, you're like, oh, I love this builder. Like going to use them, going to use them for as long as, you know, all the time I'm buying property, blah, blah, blah. And they hit you with a bombshell that, oh, you know, because we kind of typically have like a project manager who gets the subcontractors in and, and then he's like, yeah, I'm retiring now. You're like, you can't retire. Like I need you. You're essential. (laughs) Um, And then you, you know, you, you think you've got everything, you know, every, everything's going well, everything's going smoothly. And then, and then the, project manager retires and then you're like oh, I need to find another one yeah. and then the whole cycle starts again so no I I love I love working with builders good builders and you know I, I don't want to have to be up in the investment area every sort of time there's some progress on a refurb so you know a quick little FaceTime with a builder and you know pictures on a you know sort of every every couple of days on some progress it makes life so much easier so do like them um and i've used uh sort of you've had donna on uh the oh, podcast yeah. before i've used i've used her husband as a builder and she's oh, what was his name? Trevor. 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 Oh, that's right poor trevor the long-suffering trevor the long-suffering trevor, trevor yeah trevor the guy that, that forgot to hook up the uh tv aerials and only found out five years later that's right yep that i remember that one of ours no, it was one of, <laughs> no that one was of one of mine oh <laughs> <laughs> Five years for Spanish, so obviously there are obviously <laughs> TV aerials in the rooms weren't obviously that popular. <laughs> and and it's, it goes to show that if people say, "Do you need to put aerials into HMO rooms?" Actually, after that story, I would say, "Don't Not anymore." No, because we, we, we still do, and actually, I think we probably don't need to bother anymore. Like with smart Those, TVs, um, like in, but you get smart TVs, but also if people do want to watch terrestrial. You can get um, aerials that they're called freeview aerials. You literally just sort of pl- plug them in, and they'll get main terrestrial. They're, oh, they're they're, they're just, they don't work. Well, uh, uh, correction. Actually, well, I've got do. one in my living room, and it works. I, I was might like, have to get really the make model because I, yeah. I had one, and it was terrible. So, I was it? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, like just to recommend tenants. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just a faff, isn't it? Because it's just more wiring. It's yeah. more like, you know, and if no one's using it, it's effectively become redundant. What are we doing with our refurbs, you know? May as, may as well um, wire in the Ethernet cable instead to get the internet there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we've yeah. done that on a few kind of wired in Ethernet. And again, I don't think they get used either because they're... No, people... no, I don't think they do. But I think um, the reason why I would, I'm, I've literally just changed my mind on um, Ethernet points in bedrooms I, I would have been like, no, 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 let's not do it now. But actually, in, if you're not going to put aerial points in, stick mm. the Ethernet point in the bedroom and mm. um, plug the TV into the Ethernet, then it will freeze up the Wi-Fi massively. Mm. Oh, true. Yeah, no, not such a bad thing. Yeah. Because mm. the TVs come with an Ethernet point. Fun fact, oh, yeah. Ethernet cable is one of the most expensive cable out there. Yeah, got my told me. There you go. Like print, Are they printer, more expensive? printer ink is the most valuable liquid in the world. Oh, good fact. Oh, wow. There we go. Oh. Completely irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> irrelevant, but also slightly informative. I was quite impressed with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, on, on that note, I think we're going to start to uh, to round this uh, shit show up, and uh, <laughs> and just say thank you. Very much. Say something filthy. Say something filthy to end it properly. Are we having a happy ending? Everyone wants to know. Huh?
Well, I think we'll leave that over to James. So James, if someone would like to locate you uh, in the real life yeah. um, and, and learn about happy endings, how would they do that? <laughs> uh, if they want to learn about happy endings, they can go elsewhere. But if they want to get in touch with me, uh, find me in on touch. Instagram. Very at, good. <laughs> at uh, James DS Property. Drop me James a DM on there. DS, yeah. Yes. Fantastic. James DS Property. Thank you. Thank you very much again. Oh, James, you want to say something else? I was going to say thank you for having me. It's been Aww. it's been a world of fun, and uh, I've I've really enjoyed it. Same. Well, good. I'm glad somebody good. had fun. Uh, <laughs> so uh, let's, let's wrap it up. Thank you very much again, James. Um, thank you. That's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from me as well. jam with us on social media where you can hear more and see more on facebook search property jam podcast or you can follow us on instagram at property jam podcast or you can email us at property jam podcast at outlook.com see, see you, you on the next, next episode, episode.